Miracy. Even if you're chatting with someone and you're kind of overthinking, checking your phone often, that's actually really your nervous system being activated or being triggered because a part of you feels unsafe. Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I'm a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar. Don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine and use tools like chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This podcast aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with a trauma-informed dating expert, coach, author, and podcast host. But first... In every episode, I offer a soul tip around abundance in your spiritual journey. Today's tip is all about giving and receiving. Most of us would much rather give than receive. When we receive, it requires vulnerability, and it lets us be briefly not in control. In fact, I work with a ton of people who are such givers that they are way out of balance with the energy of receiving anything. As entrepreneurs in touch with our spiritual side, it's really important to have these energies balanced. In your own personal life, let me offer you a mini challenge to graciously receive this week. Let people buy you a cup of coffee, let them send you gifts, and let them pay you compliments. And that last one requires no money whatsoever, but it's really wonderful to be able to graciously receive them. Make sure you repay the universe with a similar spirit of giving for others. And in your business, this equity is also really important. We need to balance, for instance, our services, giving, with payment and client relationships, receiving. Take a really nice look at these relationships and make sure you're not out of balance with either one. This is perfection for your soul alignment and for your abundance too. My guest today is Lily Bewley. Before I bring Lily onto the show, I want to let you know that suicidal ideation is a topic that comes up. Mental health is so important. Please do take wonderful care of yourselves in that regard. We have resources in the show notes, including a 1-800 number if this is a topic that you struggle with. Lily is a celebrated relationship coach who helps women find true love through healing. She is also the host of the Lily Bewley podcast that focuses on self-love, relationships and healing from abuse and trauma. Welcome to the show, Lily. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thrilled that you're here too. And I'm just curious if anything resonated with you on that tip about giving and receiving and working on being in balance with those. Uh, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. What a beautiful tip that was. And thank you for sharing that with me and the audience. Yeah, I mean, receiving is really such a hard practice. It is such a hard practice. It was for me in my development. It still is, um, if I'm completely transparent. And what I've realized through my journey is, like you just said, like I am great at giving. I'm great at giving support. I'm great at really intuiting what people need, which is like why I'm here as part of my gift. But being on the other end of that and, and receiving, 
What I've realized in my journey, and I talk about emotional trauma and the deeper level kind of root cause issues for why we are the way we are, is that receiving for me a lot of times felt very unsafe in my emotional sphere, in my body. And what I've really, really learned through my journey is how can I make receiving space safe for me? Because if we're talking about receiving from other people, what really, really came up for me is this idea of receiving from someone meant that they wanted something for me a lot of times. And so receiving just to receive, like you said, like a cup of coffee or a compliment really was a stretch for me for a long time because I really thought that there was an ulterior motive. Thank you for sharing that. I know that that is going to fall on ears that are nodding in agreement with you. And when receiving is often done with an ulterior motive, and so it is easy to feel really unsafe. And then I think for people like me, I just don't really like to feel out of control. I remember in my early no, 20s, I was yeah. dating someone. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was dating someone and I just was sick. I had a cold or something. And he kept on offering to do things, get me dinner, get me orange juice. And I was, I wasn't even being a martyr. I was like, no, I'll be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he said, can you just let me do anything for you? Yeah, totally. And you know, like hyper independence is amazing. It's amazing, right? Like we as women, we can do anything for ourselves. Like there's nothing that we can't do. And I believe that hyperindependence is a trauma response and just what you're talking about, because it is really, really nice to have people on our sides. And if anyone is like me, most of the time, the people that were around me, you know, starting from my childhood and then the kind of the relationships and even the jobs and the people that were in my life up until, you know, about five or six years ago when I started doing this work for myself. Again, it was really, really hard just to receive that because again, like I couldn't trust anyone. So what I learned was just to do everything on my own, to take care of things on my own, just to be really hyper-independent. And so I feel like it is an amazing quality. I'm not knocking how amazing that we are as independent women. And it can be so much easier if we learn to heal the deeper level core issues for why it's hard for us to receive. And then being able to receive that help it's such a juicy thing because it helps parts of us inside of ourselves realize that we are not really alone, even though we have felt very alone for probably most of our lives. Well, um, we're hitting it hard right here at the beginning, which I love. <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about your spiritual religious background in just a moment. But before we even get into that, can you tell us what is the word or the words that you currently use when referring to whatever it is that you consider the divine? Hmm. I use God and I use love. And the fact that I'm even able to say this, especially God, with no activation in my body, no anger, no confusion or frustration is a miracle. And we can talk about that more, but I do use God and I do use love. I love that you use love. What an amazing kind of concept and way to embody that which is the divine. And you hinted a little bit that there may be a past there. So yeah, let's hear a little bit about your religious and spiritual upbringing and what that may have looked like for you. Yeah, thank you. For me, I grew up in, you know, the Southern Bible Belt and I went to church a lot with my grandmother to a Southern Baptist church. And I think the thing that was most disturbing for me was 
the hypocrisy that I saw of people preaching love and preaching God's way and forgiveness and, you know, everyone being equal. But what I saw was that people's actions actually didn't line up with their words, meaning, you know, like a lot of my family were kind of racist, to be honest. And it was really sad to see them going into their church and being well-known in their church and leaders in their church, but them coming home and just being very unloving, really very mean and unloving and unkind. And so I experienced that with my family. I experienced that in the church as well. And so I really didn't know anything other than this isn't right, you know, because I was pretty young then and kind of being forced to go to church. And from that point on, I kind of just broke my soul away from being loved and being nurtured and putting myself in these situations where I could, you know, be more spiritual. So I think I shut down my spiritual side for a very long time because it really felt off in my soul and in my body and my mind, obviously, as well. And it was actually a recreation, which is really funny that I can talk about this now with an awareness and space, but it was actually a recreation of my home environment, which was like a do as I say, not as I do type of environment. And so it was just this compounding thing for me when it came to God and when it came to spirit that really kind of broke me away and had me kind of shut down that part of myself that really needed the support of the divine. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that to light. I know we have quite a few Southern Baptist um, recoverers who are listening and people (laughs) who, like me, kind of grew up adjacent to that. And I grew up in Louisiana. And I want to distinguish between what you described, which is flat out hypocrisy, and then people being on their journey, right? Because like we're all on our journey. Mm. And I can imagine the person who goes to church and then they they have an insight like, oh my gosh, what I did was a microaggression. I'm going to work on changing that. And that's really different than going to an environment that's preaching love and acceptance and then not fostering that at all in your own life, right? What you're describing is the second. Yeah, totally. And I feel like you can feel, at least I can, I can feel a difference of someone being, and these are putting words to experiences that I did not have you know, the intellectual, the emotional capability to do at that age. But even today, you know, in my relationships, you can tell when someone's working on that part of themselves because, you know, like maybe they're open to discussion or apologetic or maybe remorseful or just able to have a conversation about these microaggressions, like you say. Right. And then but for me, it compounded a lot of it was almost like like the church that I experienced was another confirming experience of the way that I experienced my household. And so it was like double time for me. And so like, again, like I didn't feel like it was just wasn't safe for me to communicate with people about religion and about God and about spirit if it wasn't their way. And so I just shut that down. How'd you turn a corner and give us a kind of really brief overview of how you began there? And then where did you end up? What, what's it like now? Oh, so juicy. Thank you. Having my relationship with God today surprised me, to be completely honest, because, you know, I started my deeper level healing work, like I said, about five or six years ago, where I was in this situation where I did everything that society and school and the things my parents told me to do. I got the job, I got the house, I got the car, I got the six figures, I got the relationship. And outside, everything was amazing and everything was perfect and everything was fine. But inside, I was living with my partner at the time. That was a very unhealthy relationship. I would come home and the relationship was very toxic. You know, I wasn't safe emotionally, mentally, physically, all of the things. And 
that's when I kind of started the healing journey. And the healing journey started for me because trigger warning, you know, I had um, a gun in my hand because I really didn't know what to do. I had done everything that I was supposed to do and I achieved everything that I was supposed to do. So it was really confusing for me why I wasn't happy, you know, and it got to a point where it was just like, well, you know, like it's either this or I'm done. And so I was crying on the bed, bawling, and I was so unhappy. A voice popped in my head and it wasn't God. It was just a voice that was really wounded and really sad and didn't really know what to do anymore. And that voice told me to pull out the gun that was in the drawer. I pulled it out. I picked it up. I remember how it felt. It was cold and heavy. And I always like to say God and my higher self kind of conspired together to just say to me, like, there is a better way. The first time I can feel ever that God spoke to me was actually when I was holding that gun in my hand. And that's kind of when I started my healing journey. And long story short, when I started my healing journey, it wasn't about spirit and it wasn't about God. It is about me. And it was almost about survival for me. And as I started to do the deeper level healing work, healing my emotional trauma, going to therapy, having coaches, I started to feel more connected to myself and to the world around me. You know, people call this like being present. And it opened up space inside myself and inside my heart where I, again, like I couldn't trust anyone. I couldn't even trust God to take care of me because the representations that I had seen were painful and they were hurtful. And it was really just that space that I was able to create within myself and my heart where God kind of entered. And then it blossomed from there. It wasn't just like a step your finger one and done. Like this was a multi-year process, but it was really kind of the deeper level healing that allowed me to have this conversation and this relationship. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I mean, your healing journey is directly tied to a spiritual experience. Mm, Yes. Yes. I asked Lily where she was experiencing God's presence during the moment of this crisis. Just FYI, Lily is going to mention her suicidal ideation again. Yeah, like I said, that was the first time that I've, again, I always say my higher self and God conspired and just to tap me on the shoulder and say there is a better way. And mind you, I didn't know that there was a better way at that time. Like at that time, I had resigned myself. Again, either one way was unhappiness for the rest of my life or get off this planet. Like those were the only two choices that I had. I talk about relationships and dating today. Like I wasn't modeled a happy relationship. And so I thought that that was just all there was. I didn't know about books. I didn't know about podcasts. I didn't even know about communication. I didn't know about any of that stuff at that time. And so when they tapped me on my shoulder and said, there is a better way, I didn't know what that way was. But that was the opening for me and the kind of the fuel to keep growing and keep learning about myself and about, you know, all these other things. And it opened up that space for sure. I really appreciated Lily sharing all of this. And it reminds me about the pattern I see so often in my own work and coaching of watching people trying to reject God because of their toxic religious upbringing. This kind of toxicity brings about so many different responses in different people. And at a fundamental level, this really is trauma. And when we experience this level of trauma with a toxic religious upbringing, we really come down to two choices. One, to participate in our own healing 
or to continue the toxic pattern. Unfortunately, a pattern I see a lot is that people identify a pattern of toxicity, but they simply continue the pattern. For instance, someone may reject the environment of religious abuse that they grew up in, which is absolutely correct, but they continue the pattern in other ways. For instance, if someone perpetuates the idea that all spirituality is toxic, that simply is switched to the other end of the spectrum. Or if someone rejects a fundamentalist background, but then becomes a fundamentalist for atheism or even for progressive spirituality, that's really not the complete picture of healing. We're simply continuing the toxic patterns that we learned early on. I've rarely seen this lead to the complete healing that we absolutely deserve and desire. And please hear me, this is not about the conclusions that we draw, but about how we get there and how we express those conclusions. And that leads to the second way of dealing with toxic religious backgrounds. Lily embodies this so much in her commitment to her own healing, to recognizing her own patterns and in changing them to live to her fullest potential. Those of us who are called to live spiritually will not be able to step away from God, source, creator fully until we have answered the call that that has on our life. Part of coming into full spirituality is the ability to work through the traumas of our past. This doesn't mean that we're never angry, that we're never disappointed. It means that we can convert those experiences into our full present and future. We never really stop seeking God, but we find different ways to experience and to talk about the holy. I'm not suggesting that anyone dismiss their past, but I do want us to claim our future and to be very solid in our own spiritual journey. And this begins by interrupting the pattern of toxicity and doing something different, which I know you're all doing if you're listening this far. I noticed that Lily's work is based on helping people negotiate their past and move to a new future, especially around love and self-love, which is deeply spiritual. Lily mentioned that before she had this awakening experience, she had it all, including a six-figure income, a house, and everything that goes with it. So I then asked her how her early childhood experiences impacted the way that she experienced abundance. Well, I like to think of abundance these days as prosperity because abundance, we can have an abundance of money and not be happy and prosperous. We right. can have an abundance yeah. of problems, you know, you know, like, like right. Jay-Z, 99, 99 problems, you know, but, <laughs> you know, and I think like, again, this was a huge, huge paradigm shift for me. And a lot of times, like you talked about your perfectionist part, Katie, like, the control part, sorry, the control and There's the perfectionism in there too. You, you nailed yeah, it. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I understand. You know, I understand. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And the perfectionist parts and the control parts of me were the ones that were holding on to all of those metrics. Again, like this isn't just like a listen to this podcast type of thing. And this changes for you. Let me just say that. But for me, like hindsight 2020 is that I was really, really good. Like a lot of my clients are like, yeah, I'm the straight A, you know, I'm the, I'm the A plus student, like, you know, and I was good at all of the things and all of the metrics that society told me that I should be, that my parents told me should I, that I should be. And mind you, that I was loved more when I was doing good and loved less when I was quote unquote doing bad. And so if you can imagine that part of me and that part of you to someone that is listening, how strongly that those parts can be for us to achieve and to get those metrics, those numbers, those accolades, those validations 
from things outside of ourselves. And so what I learned, again, it's a huge, huge paradigm shift because what I learned today, like as I sit here and I'm still, I'm never going to stop being growth oriented and growing. But as I sit here today, the core essence of who I am is the most important part of myself always. Right. And the core for me is I'm loving and caring and kind. But the thing is, is that we don't just go and be like, I'm loving, caring, kind in the world, send me money. <laughs> you know, like I'm loving, caring, kind in the, you know, in the world, send me, send me a boyfriend. What this really, really took for me again was doing that deeper level healing work to realize again, this is like, again, five or six year process. This isn't just a one and done. But now I know that. The environments that I create for myself, like I talk a lot about dating, for example, the environment that you create with dating, you know, I hear all the time. I don't know if you hear this too, Katie, with any of your friends, but dating sucks. I said this to myself. I said this to, you know, my friends and my family. So it's not that dating sucks. It's that your experience with dating sucks. So the question is, how do you change your experience? And it's the same thing that I discovered kind of with this whole paradigm shift about perfectionism and control. I really, really did not want to have that much of a grip on my life, but that was the only way I knew how to get the external validation, which in turn gave me love. So it was really just healing the deeper level emotional traumas that I experienced to kind of get to that space where I, like, I am love, you know, like I'm a beacon of God's purpose at this point in my life, you know, and that feels really good for me to say and to share because what happens is, is that really becomes a magnet to everything that we want. We actually don't have to work that hard, which is crazy to hear. And I'm sure crazy to think about, but it's true. And I've experienced that, which is just wild. I mean, it's really wild. Well, that's a perfect segue. So let's switch gears <laughs> a little bit and talk about your entrepreneurial journey and the work that you're doing now, this wonderful coaching. Just tell us on a, on a basic level, what is your business and who do you serve? Right now, I work with successful women to help them love dating and find true love. And again, I say successful because that's where I was, you know, like everything was working in my life besides my relationships and it didn't make any freaking sense at all. And so I work with women, mostly who have been doing personal development or therapy for six months or more and are feeling kind of stuck in the dating process. Like dating sucks. I'm giving up on dating. I don't know if you saw Katie, but I have the feminine dating archetypes, which Anyone's welcome to go take that quiz. And, but there are four archetypes that women fall into in the dating process. So like goddess woman archetype is the one that I work with the most. It's basically the woman who kind of knows how she's supposed to be, but really can't seem to get the results in real life, especially with dating, like attracting unavailable men or have, you know, having a crappy dating experience. So tell us a little bit more about these archetypes. Let me just say that like God gave me these archetypes because I just had like, you know, how people say they have downloads, tidbits kind of feeding me from the divine. And before I kind of go into what they are, what it really was is a reflection of the dating process that I went through to find my true love and my epic love in the relationship that I'm in right now. And they were phases for me. And then I started to see the same pattern (laughs) with my clients, you know, like, oh yeah, I've been there, you know, and then I kind of took a look back. You know, it combines a little bit of uh, different types of theories, different different types of modalities. But again, like God was like, oh, this is normal. And this is like one of the big things with the archetypes is I really want to let women know that what they're going through could be a phase. So there is a way to kind of get out of that. And secondly, you're not alone. This is the stuff that people don't talk about. People will tell you just to go have fun on a date. Lillian could not just go have fun on a date. 
She could not. <laughs> Must make it work. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and that's, it's normal. But the four archetypes are the chill woman, the fortress woman, the goddess woman, and the magnetic woman. And the magnetic woman is the woman that I aspire to be and my clients aspire to be, which is, again, like this whole idea of being a magnet to what it is you truly desire. And so with these archetypes, do you think that the patterns that produce the archetype, which someone may be when they take the quiz, if they're not yet in the magnetic sphere, are those formed in childhood? You know, are they informed by trauma and abuse, like all of those kind of adverse experiences that so many people have? Yes, I have seen patterns. So like, for the example, like the chill woman has a lot of healing work to do around like boundaries, around speaking up communicating needs and desires, firstly, finding out what your needs and desires are. And in dating, it's not just the qualities that you want and the characteristics that you want. It's actually the needs and the desires. Like, how do you want to feel? What are the specific values that are kind of like non-negotiable? And yes, they're based off of, of past experiences, based off of childhood, based off of even past relationships that maybe have gone really sour, ended really badly, or maybe there's still energy inside of us that's still connected to that experience or that person. But yeah, for example, like the goddess woman will have a lot of healing to do with perception versus reality, outside perception versus what's really happening inside. The goddess woman will have a lot of healing to do about control and about perfectionism as well, right? So yeah, there have been some similar things that I've seen about healing when it comes to that. Talk to us a little bit about the dating nervous system that you talk about and how we can understand and navigate that. Wow. Dating nervous system is a real thing, first of all. So if you find yourself kind of overthinking a lot, if you find yourself in anxiety or overwhelm when it comes to the dating process, or even if you're like chatting with someone and you're feeling yourself kind of overthinking, checking your phone often, that's actually really your nervous system being for lack of a better term, being activated or being triggered because a part of you feels unsafe. So what I do with my work is really, really help people and women feel safe within themselves. And a lot of that comes to expression. You know, in childhood, for example, I wasn't really safe to express anything. So I shut down. It took me a long time to figure out what my needs and desires are. So people will say, like coaches will say, oh, just, you know, what are your needs and what are your desires? If you're at all like me and have been through maybe a similar experience, I didn't even know what my needs and desires were. So that's a little sidebar. But the nervous system is really, really important because we have to feel safe within ourselves in order to connect with someone deeply, right? We have to feel safe within ourselves to communicate clearly. When we're kind of activated like that, our prefrontal cortex isn't turned on. So we think that we're communicating what our needs and desires are, but if our nervous system isn't regulated, then it may not be really your true needs and desires. It may just be a, be a reaction. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's striking me. It's such, for me, a spiritual value to feel at home in our bodies and to regulate our nervous systems. And so many of us believe that spirituality happens in the head. What you're doing and helping people be fully embodied to me, it's bringing in the divine feminine. It feels like such a spiritual thing to do. And I'm curious if you experience it like that. It so is. It so is. And I love the conversation of embodiment. The thing that I don't like about the conversation about embodiment is it isn't just like an Instagram post that you can read and you can do a dance on, you know, like embodiment for me, at least for me, if I try to do like a feminine dance or try to just like dance and have fun with the intention of 
maybe like getting rid of something, like getting rid of my nervousness or getting rid of, I don't know, like anxiety or stress or something like that. I tried all of the embodiment practices. I tried even yoga, which again, yoga is an amazing practice. But what didn't work for me is it became just another thing on my to-do list to get rid of something that I didn't like and things that I thought were wrong with me. And so again, I think everything starts what you're talking about, Katie, in the body. In fact, what we used to think was that our behaviors and our actions came from our mind. But what they're realizing now is that through advanced studies is that actually our behaviors and actions come from the nervous system telling us whether those behaviors and actions are safe. So we used to think, again, 100% was in our mind. And that's why like mindsets don't work. Affirmations don't work most of the time if you have these deeper level core traumas. But what we realize now is that 80% of what we receive is what is safe comes from our body and it talks to our brain. 20% of what we perceive as safe comes from our brain. So it's actually the body that is really telling us that this person is safe. Women are so detached from their intuition right now and your intuition doesn't come from your head. It comes from your body. And we know everything, again, from the neck up, but from the neck down, embodiment is more than like a dance practice. It's more than giving yourself a massage. It's more than taking a bath. It is actually doing the deeper level healing work in our somatics so that our body actually feels safe to communicate and speak up for ourselves or listen to our intuition or whatever it is. Yeah, and um, so much of spiritual life is head-oriented. And yeah, getting into the body as a deep form of spirituality, I think it's just so wonderful. And you're doing that, helping people find true love. I mean, bringing it all together. That's so amazing. Thank you. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in building the business you have now? Oh, myself. (laughs) Well, you know, anything that we try, whether that be relationships, whether that be business, whether that be, especially if it comes from being fulfilled, you know, on the inside. So like my business is a very purposeful business. I believe that, you know, God brought me here to help create kings and create queens. And that is not even in my business. That is like going through the checkout line at the grocery store and the way that I interact, the way that I just my presence and my magnetism, the way that I look people in the eye and make them feel loved and make them feel hope and all of those things. But the biggest thing was all of these internal parts of me that didn't feel worthy, that didn't feel like she was enough. And this is business and relationship. I feel like they correlate almost parallel each other when it comes to the deeper level healing work. So for a long time in my business, I kind of had these competing parts inside myself about what someone told me that I should be again this whole paradigm shift, how someone told me that I should grow my business, but then what felt really good for me? You know, what felt right? What felt aligned? What didn't re-traumatize parts of me? Because I went through a whole year period where I was, this is like in business where I was doing everything. Like I can do anything. I don't know if you're that type of person, Katie, but I can do anything. Put it in front of me. I can do it. What I didn't realize in that time period with my business was the things that I was doing was actually harming me because it was helping me override parts of myself that needed to feel loved and cared for and enough and worthy. And so what I've really just really come into this beautiful place inside myself where my results aren't even a reflection of me. It's this that is a reflection of me. Even today, like conversation, you know, spreading spirit, spreading love, spreading word, that is what works for me. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And so like the numbers don't even matter to me as much anymore as they did before. What matters is, am I being who I am in this moment? And am I following that experience? 
I love it. This is all so amazing. Do you have any advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? Ooh, sure. Thank you. If someone is out there that is kind of going through the dating process, I work with a lot of women who have either, you know, been divorced, been twice divorced, and are really kind of frustrated in the patterns that they're seeing in dating right now. A few things. I would say, just like God tapped me on the shoulder some time ago and my highest self tapped me on the shoulder, I would say that there is a better way. So again, what we're really trying to do is not change like your dating profile. We're just trying to change your experience. And a lot of that is the deeper level patterning that we're talking about. The other thing I'd like to say is that like whatever unhealthy pattern that you're seeing, whether that be chill woman pattern, goddess pattern, fortress pattern, or whatever self-described pattern that you're seeing is that your patterns are not you. There are parts of us that are going to tell us that the patterns that we're seeing is all about us. We're unlovable. We're not feminine enough. We are unworthy. Men are unsafe. But the patterns aren't us. It's really just a part of us when they happen that is really screaming out for us to heal so that we can restructure and we can have a new experience. Awesome. And if someone has some questions about this and they want to follow you and find you, what is the best way for people to do that? Oh, thank you so much for this time, Katie. You're amazing. I appreciate you. My best recommendation is to go to datingarchetype.com and take the dating archetype quiz. You can find me on Instagram at Lily Bewley. And I also have a little gift for your listeners if you're open to it, Katie. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. So I have a program right now called Dating You. It's the School for Magnetic Relationships. It's an amazing program. It's been in the works, I think, for ever since I first started this work. And it's where we do the deeper level healing work to get to the behaviors and actions that we really want to change the experience with dating. And I've made a code for your listeners, Katie, it's Soul Savvy. And if anyone wants to try it out and get $94 off and two months free, just use Soul Savvy at checkout. It's at lilybuley.com slash dating you. Love it. And Lily, spell your first name for everyone. Lily, L-I-L-L-I. And last name is Bewley, B as in boy, E-W-L-E-Y. Awesome. This is so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows like Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal. Melissa assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please give us a starred review. It is the best way to help us get these ideas out there to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.